Hello, everyone. I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. And welcome to a Clue Done It interview episode where we talk to the writers behind our favorite mysteries. Recently, as we watched Shakespeare and Hathaway, Private Investigators, we couldn't help but notice that some of our favorite episodes were written by the same person, Kit Lambert. In addition to literally writing for Shakespeare and Hathaway, Kit also worked on EastEnders, Holby City, Father Brown, and Sister Boniface Mysteries. Not to mention Death in Paradise, the upcoming series of Whitstable Pearl, and plays all over the UK. Now, gentle listeners, we may not be great at guessing, but we are pretty good at detective work, or at least reaching out to publicists. So we are pleased to be joined today by Kit Lambert. Kit, thank you for coming on the pod. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Lovely to meet you both. Thank you so much. It's so great that you're here. So let's start, as we always start, like, what's your origin story? How did you how did you get into writing and how did you end up on Shakespeare and Hathaway? Well, um, I guess how I got into writing in the first place. So I... I've always loved reading. I love watching TV, love film. In my, in my teens, I got involved with a little local kind of amateur theatre group. I, I was quite shy when I was younger, and I think maybe I thought it would help me kind of come out of my shell and, and make friends and stuff. And I also started dabbling in really bad, like, teenage poetry. Oh, um, yeah, that's the stuff. And a really embarrassing, angst-filled teen, teenage poetry. And at some point, like, later in my teens, I kind of realised that I, I wasn't great at the acting and, and you know, and, and the poetry wasn't really doing it, but I kind of wanted to combine those two things of kind of drama and writing and script writing kind of felt like a natural fit. So I went off to university. I did an English degree, but I kind of ended up specializing in creative writing. I started writing um, plays and I got I managed to get some of those performed and the kind of one thing led to another and originally I was like oh no I'll, yeah I'll be a very serious theatre writer and I was doing that for a few years but it's really hard to make make a living in theatre certainly yes. living in Wales it is anyway <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine was writing on a show called Doctors which is a BBC show and he was like, oh, well, I, I I write plays, but I write a couple of episodes of Doctors every year just to help pay the bills. And so so I gave that a go and one thing led to another. And now a decade and a half later, I'm, I'm just just writing telly and, and largely kind of, yeah, cozy crime, detective stories, murdering people for a living. It's great fun. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the unwritten rules about the show, Shakespeare and Hathaway and how the mystery had to work. You can tell um, us because we're done with the guessing. This isn't cheating for us now. You, we're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a few things, I guess. For uh, for starters, in 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 the time frame you have for these episodes, you, you know, it's quite tight to to tell a really satisfying murder mystery in in sort of that forty five minutes or you know an hour. Mm -hmm. um, you you don't have much time, so you have to hit the ground running. We like to kind of kill people good and early. You, you know, get, <laughs> get the murder done. All for it. Get the investigation started. Not too many suspects. I think if you start trying to throw in six, seven, eight suspects, it, it becomes too much, and you don't really get time to know any of them. So try and keep mm -hmm. it down to just a few suspects that you get to know in a bit more detail. With Shakespeare and Hathaway specifically, I think obviously one of the big things is how you get the Shakespeare in there. And I think we always said that we, you know, we weren't there trying to retell Shakespeare plots too literally. We just mm -hmm. wanted to, we wanted to cherry pick a few good ingredients from 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 a particular play or particular characters, and just see where they they would take us. So just trying to have fun with those Shakespearean elements, 
And with those, because it is, you know, we've got this lovely partnership of Lou and Frank at the heart of the show. It's just making sure that they're working together lots, that they both feel quite equal. You know, they're both bringing something to the mm. party. So that, that's probably it, really. It's just, yeah, just making sure that yeah, it, you're getting getting that Shakespeare in and, and getting those two working together, doing their thing. It all it all comes from that. And Sebastian in a costume. Obviously, Sebastian. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's no secret to anyone that he's my favorite character. He's such a joy to write for. And if you can get him, get him in a character, get him undercover doing something really daft, really, really crazy, then yeah, it just brings so much comedy. He's such a good actor as well. You talked about building the episode in that, but you also talked about like pick, cherry picking and choosing your Shakespeare elements in there. Which came first? Like, like did the did the resonance get added to the story, or did you start with, "Hey, I want to I want to riff off these characters and start building a story from there"? Um, for me, when I was writing the show, I I always started with the Shakespeare, partly because I'm I'm a bit of a Shakespeare nerd. But you know, as I said, I did an English degree. I I, I acted in Shakespeare plays, and I just I always found there was so much you could you could be inspired by so an episode like toil in trouble very much started with well i want to do Macbeth. i want i want to do the scottish play it's so what what are the iconic things i want to bring in you want the witches somehow you want to have these hags involved you need some sort of the king or if it, you know in 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 that episode it's the mayor of the town who kind of represents the king so he's clearly the one that's going to get murdered and you just start to build in those elements or with this rough magic you know uh, starting with prospero and you think well what's what's the what's the modern equivalent we could use of a character like prospero with magic well well okay he's a magician he's a stage magician and mm. and as i said you just start to just to find find some nice little nuggets you can use from those plays and then work out what what the modern equivalent might be and how you can run with them as i said without necessarily feeling like you have to try and retell the shakespeare play scene by scene do you have any favorite episodes? I think I've already I've already mentioned Toil and Trouble was the the first episode I wrote for the show. Mm -hmm. Um so I have really fun memories of that. But just cuz it felt like we had such a blank it's the first series we had such a blank slate. We were still trying to find our feet and there was a massive time pressure on it as well. We it was all it was commissioned and they wanted it really fast. So it was one of those really kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Wow, let's get it down on page on the page. And I think something about that just gave it a an energy and a fun. There are some some of my favorite lines in that. The is this Mick Jagger I see before me and things like <laughs> that. So just you know, when when you're making yourself laugh while you're writing, it's always a good thing. So I think I look back on that one really fondly. I I really enjoyed doing um uh, the sorry um the Rascal Cook as well, the one set in the restaurant yes. purely because I actually appear in that episode. <gasps> Oh, you, you, you almost certainly won't have spotted me. <laughs> we did not. During the swan pedalo chase, <laughs> there are two guys on another swan pedalo in the scene. And that was myself and the script producer, Neil Irvin, who decided that it would be fun just to be on a swan pedalo in the background. <laughs> so we had a good day out in Stratford messing around on the water. It was great. <laughs> That was one of the, I had said this in the episode, and it's is that is one of the greatest twists on a chase scene I've I've, I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen. Like I like we've seen fast high speed chases, low speed chases, but chases in a swan 
I think that's the only one. So well done. <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt like it was um it wasn't something I'd seen on television before. So it's it's always good to go for that. I, I've always kind of wanted to do a chase sequence on mobility scooters or something like that, you know, those mm-hmm. really slow motion. But this this is obviously um with with Stratford and the Swans and stuff, this this felt like the natural choice. Oh yeah. You- yeah. Almost did the. I think Shakespeare and Hathaway almost did the mobility scooters because there's the one at the at the retirement home. I yeah, think where it, you get a little bit in there on that. Yeah, I think I think maybe that that one had had already gone to script by then, so maybe I mm-hmm. felt like the mobility scooter choice had been taken. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that raises an interesting question. I'm curious, how does the every room works differently, and especially on like different series how did the room work for Shakespeare and Hathaway was this very much was this a collaborative everybody everybody in a room pitching ideas and then going off to script or was it just like yeah how did it work I think um with the first series and as I um as I alluded to earlier it was there was a real time pressure when we were writing the first uh the first few episodes so we had the the episode one we had the pilot script Mm -hmm. and then after that it was it was very much a sense that we were pitching ideas very quickly we kind of worked out which which Shakespeare plays people wanted to nab wanted to put their name on but then we very much had to sort of go away and, and we were writing separately, which is a bit more of the British way. Actually, we tend to kind of work slightly more individually, you know, spend less time in a writer's mm-hmm. room. Too. After that, though, for, for, you know, subsequent series and certainly for series two, I think there was a bit more of time to kind of sit in a room at the beginning and chat about kind of what people want, you know, what stories we wanted to see, what what we wanted to to what stories we wanted to tell with Frank and Lou and, with you know, and with Sebastian. Uh, work out yeah how how that those characters could de- develop and what worked well with series one but yeah for the for the first series it was very much just like ah, I've got an idea okay write it get it to script throw it in front of a camera which as I said well I mean it's there's always a lot of stress with productions like that but it's also loads of fun and we, as I said those are I feel like that first series had a real energy to it that just came out of that kind of that teamwork that you get when people mm-hmm. have have to get something together quickly. This is one of the questions we ask folks because you're writing a murder mystery. What All is the, the time. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the craziest thing you had to look up for a murder clue, a.k.a. what's the most incriminating bit of your Google search history? <laughs> well, well, well. Um, I mean, my my internet search history i've been i've been doing this for quite a while now and you know if if i was ever looked into by the fbi i'd be in deep deep trouble i think it's lot it's there's a lot of poison a lot of poison. Mm-hmm. i mean i suppose maybe you don't have to google how to hit someone on the back of the head with a rock it's pretty self-explanatory <laughs> um so so it but but poisons i suppose you need you want to be sure that what you're doing is realistic and and you know how long does it take someone to die and how much you need to give them and all of those questions you need to ask and you type these things into yeah your internet search provider and you think if someone's watching this it's not going to not going to look good in terms of what the most incriminating one for me it wasn't actually on Shakespeare and Hathaway it's on another show i wrote called the coroner where i I wrote a murder involving jacurity beans, which are these little red and black beans that you get. And uh, if you break them open inside, they've got abrin. It's like it's more toxic than ricin. It's they're incredibly, oh, wow. oh. incredibly toxic. The I, this idea came from the fact that my wife and I went on honeymoon in Peru, and we oh, stayed no. 
in this lodge in the Amazon and they had bowls of these beans all over the place. They were just like decoration. And we thought they were really pretty. And we thought, oh, let's just take, you know, take a like handful and we'll take them home as a souvenir. And, and when I got home, I then Googled what they were. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is a controlled substance. We just <laughs> we just walked <laughs> customs carrying these incredibly toxic beans. If you like stick a pin in them and then put you stick that pin into your finger, you're going to get give yourself organ failure. I probably shouldn't have these. So, um, wow. And then, so then and then obviously the natural reaction to that is to to um write it into a tv script and, and broadcast it to the world um <laughs> if if someone you know if if anyone's out there obviously i safely disposed of those a long time ago yes that is, <laughs> yes. This is very wise <laughs> Well, that's we just watched an episode of a show actually where they had a poison that the character had carried home back from, from the Amazon, back from the Amazon. <laughs> and they were very vague about it and I was thinking to myself I wonder if that's purposeful <laughs> so that we all don't go wandering <laughs> finding that poison what is yeah. so one of the things like you mentioned the energy and you mentioned the like the swan chase scene, but you also mentioned they're having to get things like a little bit real. Like how does the poison work? How do like how do you find the balance between like, okay, this is realistic versus don't stop the fun train. Let's keep like the the energy going. I mean, I at the end of the day, I I always have the attitude of, you know, you don't want to let the truth get in the way of a good story too much, but it has to I think it has to be real enough for the audience to buy into it and to to feel like what they're watching is credible. With Shakespeare and Hathaway, it is heightened and it's um, the characters are very big and obviously using the Shakespeare plays as well. I kind of gives it that extra layer of artifice, you know. And so mm. I think you maybe you do need to work to get the audience to buy into that world and to to go on that journey with you. So. We do like, you know, I do like to research things and make sure that, you know, if I'm if I'm coming up with whether it's a, you know, a poison or anything else, you know, that the, the scenarios we're presenting could happen. I know that that's probably, you know, some people will watch something and go, oh, that that can't, you know, that can't be true or that's not realistic. But, you know, I think we do we do work fairly hard and there are researchers on the show who work alongside us who are very quick to point out if we write something, you know, especially like a, a medical thing or, you know, a police procedure or matter, if we write it in and, and they'll turn around and go, you know, you can't do that. It's ridiculous. It never, it never <laughs> happened. And then we'll, you know, we'll try and adapt it and find something that works together. But overall, I think, yeah, I'd go for stuff that's real, but at the end of the day, prioritize what makes a good show. Fair enough. Speaking of shows, I have a... Uh... I have a bit, bit of a left field question for you here. We were looking over your bio and your CV, and I noticed that you were a script consultant for a circus theater project at a theater Diplodocus, I think is what it is, it, back in 2016. I don't know if this is ringing a bell. In any event, we were just wondering, like, what is that? We lived in Vegas for many years. Well, you understand seeing a circus show and getting a story and all that, but what is that, what is that like? What does it mean to dramaturg a circus? <laughs> well, I think it was good that within the within the show they were trying to use circus performers and circus skills, but tell tell more of a narrative story, mm -hmm. and and trying to trying to work that way with circus circus performers are, are, are amazing and they're they're very very good at coming up with their own individual acts, 
but getting them to kind of work in a more narrative way where across the whole show the you know the audience are getting a more of a sense of story and character and and mm -hmm. you know that that story arc it's it's not a language they tend to be trained in so i mean i've had to do it um uh, i say have to i've I found the opportunity to do it with with a circus i've also worked that way with musicians where we're trying to oh. kind of become you know what they call dramaturging i suppose where you um you you're there as the official story wrangler to try and every now and again put your hand up and go this is all fun guys but what does any of it mean you know how do we how do we make a, a sense that we're telling a tale here rather than just hanging off a trapeze or, or playing a guitar mm -hmm. you know which is really fun. I, yeah, I've done I've done a, I've done a few of those projects. Sadly, it's not it's not something I've had as much time for in the last few years. But it's it's definitely yeah, definitely good fun when I do get the chance. So, so, do you mean making a story in a concert? Is that what you in the in the musical? Sense? We it's not well. We wrote. I got I got partnered up with this with a with a band from the, from North Wales. And um, we basically were asked by this theatre to kind of create a show together. So it was sort of a combination of their music. It, well, I wouldn't call it a musical. It wasn't like, you know, characters singing about, you know, the emotions they're going through. But it was sort of a combination of, it was a bit more like a sort of a concept album on stage. <laughs> mm -hmm. A combination of their music and, and actors performing. Yeah, it was a strange thing, but it was, it was really fun. It was, yeah looking looking back on it now they they were very heavy metal so it was kind of it, they were it was a real kind of rock experience i was i was a bit scared at times we got we got kicked out of two of our rehearsal venues for making too much noise so oh my God. <laughs> that's how you know heavy metal is working yeah yeah although to be fair one of them we we're in a pub and we we're in a, this room above we were in this like function room above a pub and we didn't know that there was a wake for a funeral happening oh. downstairs. If they'd have told us someone had died, we would have turned the amp down, but they didn't. So they just kicked us out. <laughs> what can you do? Yeah, that, that is horrifying and also hilarious at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My favorite combination. Yes. <laughs> uh, so what are you working on now? What's coming up next? Well, as you mentioned earlier, I'm I'm, I'm writing an, an episode of a show called Whitstable Pearl, which is another private investigator show. It's on Acorn TV. It is it's it's more serious than Shakespeare and Hathaway, though. It, it's got a more or less like moody Scandinavian kind of vibe. Mm. And I'm writing another. It's a it's a period crime piece for another company over here in the UK. And some of are my you allowed own... to? I I I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that one too much. Can you can you give uh, us the period at all? The period it's it's just before the Second World War. Got it. And yeah, so so working on that that's it's uh, it's an adaptation of a book which will hopefully be on TV probably next year. I'm I'm thinking. And then I've I've got a few of my own series ideas that I'm sort of developing with the BBC and a couple of other companies as well. So. And again, largely crime. I seem to have very much fallen into a, into a crime pigeonhole, but it, it's good fun because it means I get to, you know, murder people all day. So that's good. Work out those anger <laughs> issues. It's great. <laughs> exactly. And and you're a runner, so you get to practice running away if anything ever goes south. So you're yeah. good. <laughs> I, 
I get to scope out all my escape routes. It's there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, Kit, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. It's been a delight. Yes. We look forward to everything you do in the future. And yeah, be well. Thank you so much. Thank you. And if nothing else, I'm glad that I was able to come and prove that I am a real person. Yes. <laughs> you Kindle's evil alter ego. <laughs> we were we were debating whether or not we should like explain the joke before we started. Jessica last night was like, does he does he know about this joke? Has he listened to the episode? Like, I I don't know. So I'm yes, I'm glad you're glad you're in on the fun and I'm glad you're real. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, kid. Thank you. Okay, all right, take care, guys. Thank you. Take care. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Go to our website, cluedunitpodcast.com, or email us at cluedunitpodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram and Facebook at Cluedunit Podcast or on Twitter at Cluedunit. And if you like the podcast, please rate us and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcast to help us get the word out. And maybe you'll hear your review read on the show. Want to be a Cluedunit private investigator? Leave us a few bucks at cluedunitpodcast.com and we'll send you a personalized, official Cluedunit private investigator license officially approved by the totally fake podcasting adjudication board in their secret headquarters in a mountain outside of Squamish. We hope to hear from you soon because watching watching TV TV is always better better with friends. friends.